Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good morning, everybody. This is Jeremy Evans, your host of Believe in Sports Law via the Believe Podcast Network. This is episode 27 of season two. Glad uh, that you are with us, and we have a very interesting topic for today. We're going to be talking about the business of force majeure clauses. And don't worry, this is not going to get uh, too much in the weeds in terms of the legalese. We're really going to be focusing on the relationship aspect of force majeure clauses and kind of going through a little bit of a history uh, of how it's played out in the industry and, and what it currently looks like with regard to uh, the climate of um, professional and collegiate sports. And we'll sort of see uh, where that takes us uh, in terms of uh, looking at a conclusion as to, you know, sort of best practices uh, with regard to um, drafting of these clauses, putting them in contracts, and how they play out in reality in terms of, you know, ultimately how parties are affecting their relationships and, um, and how these clauses can affect relationships. So obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? COVID-19 is going on. And we've, if you're a involved in the sports business, even the entertainment business, you can see how force majeure clauses are utilized. And, and just for a little background, force majeure clause is essentially something that is a contractual provision that you put into an agreement that allows for the parties to be excused uh, in that contract from either the entire contract or some certain performance or obligations because of, let's say, for example, an act of God, a government shutdown, or even, even a pandemic uh, for those folks who were lucky enough to put um, a pandemic into a force majeure clause or, being, or are being allowed to be excused from a certain agreement because of a force majeure clause or a certain circumstance. Now, obviously during difficult times, people and businesses look for ways to cut costs and save money. Now, last week we talked about how some businesses, particularly in the sports industry, are looking at different spaces to increase advertising opportunities. And then in that article we talked about, and in in our podcast we talked about the idea of sort of physical space where you're talking about the stands being uh, empty because fans won't necessarily be allowed for uh, certain sports. And that also the digital space when you're talking about uh, you're going to have increased exposure online because more people will be watching online versus the in-person folks. At least that's the thought. And that seems to be the case when you're looking at viewership numbers for sports in the current climate. And then the last thing we talked about was on uniforms there. So, Obviously, there's there's multiple ways to go about uh, sort of increasing business and keeping business steady uh, during a pandemic, or at least not losing business to a significant uh, effect. Now, that all being said, I think the lessons of the past teach us that business relationships should be cherished in long term. But during a pandemic and during any sort of slowdown of the economy, regardless of of, of sort of the reasoning or what's going on in the world, the reality of it is, in terms of throughout history, the reality of it is is that 
there's a tendency to move to short-term expediency when you're talking about deal-making and contracts that have been done. And, you know, so it raises the question is, what is a business supposed to do to survive? You know, what's the right thing to do when you're talking about, um, you know, losing profit? And, you know, obviously the point of the company is to survive, right? Keep its employees and, and keep things going uh, and to do so at a profit. Otherwise, a business can't sustain itself. Now, of course, sometimes when a deal is brokered, uh, the economic circumstances change, and it forces a business to make tough decisions. Now, uh, decisions that could effectively lead to arbitration, litigation, business disputes, and disruption, depending on um, the parties and, and what their agreement is and what you know ultimately parties are comfortable with doing. Now, in California, there is this idea in a sort of a, a legal term where you're talking about frustration of purpose and impossibility, and those can be justification for being excused from obligations in a contract. Now, frustration of purpose and impossibility in other states are considered two separate terms, but in California, where I'm licensed to practice law and, and where you know there's at least 10 professional sports franchises here, in, uh, in Los Angeles, at least, between two hockey teams, two baseball teams, two basketball teams, two football teams, and two hockey teams. I think I said hockey already. Uh, two MLS teams. And, of course, you've got San Francisco-based teams. You've got San Diego-based teams. And when I say L.A.-based, I'm also including in there the uh, Anaheim Angels and the um, um, and obviously the um, Anaheim Ducks. So with that all being said, Obviously, California is a big place for this and a big place for sports business. So uh, in the context of California, frustration of purpose and impossibility essentially mean that the terms of the agreement cannot be played out because of some circumstance, right? Some economic thing is causing the parties to be, or a party, to uh, be unable to perform. And then, so that's just sort of keep that in mind. And that's generally something that's allowed in California contract law. Now, a force majeure clause is something that's specifically mentioned in a contract. We talked about what that is a little bit earlier on in this show. But it describes a circumstance where a party or parties can be excused from a contract performance or obligation because of an act of God, a government shutdown, or even a pandemic. Now, of course, in the current circumstance uh, where you have businesses finding it very difficult, if not impossible, to obtain pandemic insurance during a pandemic, which in some sense makes sense. Insurance company probably wouldn't make that bet, right? Especially with this idea of sort of second waves coming in in the fall. And in some sense, California has kind of hit another second wave when you're talking about closures um, and government orders by the uh, mayor of Los Angeles and also by the uh, governor of the state of California. Now, there is some history here with regard to companies looking for ways to renegotiate deals and uh, look for ways to get out. And of course, this happens in free agency and um, and during uh, existing contracts for players all the time, right? You have a player who essentially uh, has outperformed his contract if you're talking about value. And so they'll usually sit out from camp or whatever it might be uh, in, in, in anticipation and hope of a better deal. But where we are now is that 
we have obviously teams coming back online uh, in terms of, um, you know, I guess literally and figuratively when I say that, when you're talking about live sports being broadcasted but not having fans in person. But ultimately we have uh, live sports coming back into play. And in the midst of all that, we have Under Armour, which is a great company, by the way, and I love their product and, um, and, and it's a very innovative company. They've also had uh, an interesting history too. And um, currently they're trying to either get out of or renegotiate a marketing apparel deals with UCLA and Cal. And we also have Learfield IMG, which recently, um, uh, within the last few years, they five years or so, they um, uh, combined as a company. They were two separate companies. They actually had to seek uh, government approval for that because uh, they didn't want to be considered as a monopoly. And uh, they are really big in the NCAA athletic departments, uh, college athletics. And they are also now trying to renegotiate or end multi-million dollar relationships with, uh, with those individual institutions. So there is a lot of this going on. There's a lot of this going on in entertainment as well. Uh, so needless to say, sports business is in a tough spot. And I think everybody knows that. And I think dollars and cents wise, there's a lot of discussion around, you know, what's proper forum and what are these discussions supposed to be had? And I think ultimately during a pandemic, a lot of things that are happening with sports being shut down. The reality of it is, is that sports haven't been being played. So um, circumstances have changed. I guess the, the argument is, is um, how much have they changed? And will the delay and the eventual restart help to sort of cure some of those uh, downfalls, if you will? So that's where we are. There's some great articles out there that talk about um, Under Armour USA Today ran an article. ESPN also ran an article. Uh, there are some great stories out there if you want to check out uh, some of the situations going on with uh, Under Armour and Learfield IMG. Now, of course, as we mentioned, there's some hope here with professional sports returning. You know, the National Women's Soccer League is coming back, Major League Baseball, uh, Major League Soccer, the National Basketball Association, tennis and golf have already had tournaments obviously marketing value is going to be uh, pushing upwards again. Um, and of course, the Under Armour has history here with regard to sports, particularly with uh, Major League Baseball and Nike. Um, if you guys recall, Under Armour was supposed to be the uniform for Major League Baseball beginning in 2020, and they ultimately backed out of the deal. I don't know what the details on that were. Um, ultimately, it would have been kind of cool to be a fly on a wall there to to see what went down, but um, ultimately Nike came in and, and they are now going to be the official uniform for Major League Baseball. And they're also going to have their little uh, patch or whatever it is on their, I think it's upper left or right hand side of the uniforms. Obviously Under Armour has its um, experience working with other leagues like the NBA. And of course there was the uh, sort of famous story, I guess, if you will, with Kevin Durant, NBA basketball star who was entertaining working with um, Under Armour and then eventually uh, went with Nike and um, sort of had some interesting comments around um, Under Armour and uh, there was even some jokes, I guess, being sort of uh, told about Steph, uh, Stephen Curry and, um, and uh, his relationship with Under Armour. But again, I like the company. I think they're great. They make some good products, but 
the point is they definitely have a history and uh, in the sports business and particularly with getting into deals and then, um, you know, uh, getting out of deals. Right or wrong, no judgment call there. Just uh, there is definitely a history there. And, of course, when you're looking at it from the current context, Under Armour's losses um, are specifically related, at least for 2019 or 2020, rather, uh, related to March Madness, the canceling of the men's basketball, women's basketball tournaments. Uh, and then, of course, you know, college football for, uh, has not started yet. 2020 season is not going to begin. Summer camps will be this summer, obviously, depending on how those play out. But then, you know, football potentially will have fans, depending on how that plays out and what universities and certain conferences do. But um, as of right now, the NFL is planning to have fans at games and of course, um, the NCAA, uh, there's no sort of moratorium from an NCAA standpoint that they can't hold games. I think the general idea has been that if students are allowed on campus, there's going to be football games, but there's been a sort of light pushback from that in the sense that uh, there's been opening up to the idea of potentially having um uh, college football and sports, even if there is no games on campus. And I think the idea is, is try to get life back to normal in some sense. In particular, there's no fans at games and students are going online to class. Uh, I think things might become easier there, but we'll see how that plays out. Now, of course, uh, there's two really important things I want to mention here uh, with regard to, um, you know, business relationships, sponsorship relationships, brand partnerships. First, brand partnerships and marketing deals are all about relationships. The parties have to want to work together. Parties are not happy with each other. This is not going to be a positive situation. And, you know, ultimately, if Under Armour wants to get out, I think UCLA and Cal would do well by finding other partners um, that really believe in the product and want to push it. And that goes for Learfield IMG's products too and the schools that they're working with. I think they have like 54 of the 65 um, Power 5 conference schools, uh, which is obviously the Big 10, uh, Big 12, SEC, ACC, and Pac-12. So again, relationships are really important here. There was actually an article that I wrote um, a couple years ago on uh, building a successful relationship uh, through an effective sponsorship agreement. And uh, it talks about some of the major deal points you might want to look for in some of these deals. But at the end of the day, you want to make it, um, you want to make it that the parties, the ability to potentially get out of a deal if they're not, if they're not getting along. Because the last thing you want is somebody repping your product or you know, sponsoring you or whatever, and they don't believe in you. So it just creates bad, a bad situation. So we'll see how that plays out um, with regard to relationships and, and that sort of thing. The second thing is there needs to be room for understanding and negotiation where appropriate, meaning that if the parties are having difficulty living up their expectations, they should have a dispute resolution, resolution or negotiation process built in to navigate those circumstances. Now, that being said, there should also be enough teeth in the agreement to force the parties to perform even when things get uncomfortable. A lot of times, you know, business owners and business leaders, um, when the going gets tough, um, you know, like to cry wolf. But at the, you know, at the end of the day, like you've signed a contract, you come to terms in an agreement, you need to live up to it. Barring 
frustration of purpose, and possibility of force majeure, which we've talked about. But of course, it's not just a uh, legality thing or a legal thing here. It, the issue is when should these things be implemented? How should they be implemented? And what's the best for uh, you know all parties involved? So, you know, again, I think the two points there were relationships and uh, you know ultimately uh, building in understanding and negotiation and um, dispute resolution processes. So. Really, in conclusion, um, where sort of during a pandemic, everything seems to be about force majeure and change circumstances, you know, eventually the economy is going to come back, right? You're going to see a rise in sports, especially as live sports return and fans can return to games. But ultimately, you're still going to have the digital aspect, which is potentially even stronger now with no fans going to be at games for, for the most part. And you know, ultimately, the contracting parties need to find a good place to weather the storm and uh, to find a place between survival success and good relationships. And in my opinion, one place to find success is predicting where the market and the consumer meet. Not such an easy task, but we can kind of see uh, some of that occur when you're talking about, particularly with last week's topic, looking at ways to increase advertising even in a down market. So, folks, that was this uh, week's show. Hope that you've enjoyed it. Hope that you're doing well. Hope that you had a wonderful uh, July 4th weekend. Hope you have a great day. And, again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's an, always an honor and a pleasure to spend time with you. Again, I'm your host, Jeremy Evans. This is Believe in Sports Law via the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.